Oh, what up geeks, fanboys, fangirls, otakus, and nerds alike. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Pop. It is the podcast where we cover all things in the world of pop culture, such as music, movies, video games, anime, and more. As always, I'm your host, the franchise, and of course, joining me this time is my brother, Biko. Hey, everybody. Um, of course, uh, summer movie season is coming to a close, as we are. It is August, so we're coming to a close when it comes to superhero movies. Uh, the most recent one we saw was the Ant-Man and the Wasp. And by the way, to close out the summer movie season was the last Marvel Cinematic Universe. Even though we got Venom coming out in October, I believe, and also we got Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that's coming out later this holiday season. Of course, we're, we're going to be focusing on more of the live-action Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, of course, you know, is Ant-Man the Wasps. Before we get into that, you know, it's been an interesting year so far when it comes to superhero movies. You know, we had a bunch, you know, we had Deadpool 2 coming out. We had Black Panther. We had Marvel Avengers Infinity War. Basically, everyone coming back in Thanos. Um, honestly, now it's like with more news going on right now, um, I got my thing open up right now at... On comicbook.com, it's like pretty much my research when it comes to news and stuff. And pretty much, you know, it's one of my resources I use to help me come up with a topic to release and discuss to you guys. Um, so far, I guess with the Venom coming out right now, the big thing is uh, pretty much uh, with the last trailer coming out, I guess Sony has a name for their, what their so-called universe is. And apparently like these films starting with Venom, even though they'll take place in the same Spider-Man as first, but are not going to be connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, even though Spider-Man is on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But apparently there's been notes saying that apparently they're going to have their own version of Venom and all that stuff. But apparently this is what Sony called it. They call it Sony's Universe of Marvel Characters. That's going to be like their thing. And apparently it's going to start, you know, with the Spy- with Venom, of course. And then, of course, uh, Spider-Man... I guess Sony is going to help out a little bit production-wise with Spider-Man Far From Home. Of course, Venom. And, of course, they're going to be working on Morbius, the living vampire. Of course, now Black Cat and Silver Sable. Apparently, they were going to be announced as a single movie. Apparently, now they're going to get their own spin-off movies. And something called Jackpot, which I have no idea what that is about. But, of course, you got Into the Spider-Verse, which is the animated film that's coming out later this year. Can't wait for that. But Venom, maybe, I'm interested in seeing it. I mean, it comes out October 5th. It looks okay. I mean, it looks decent. I mean, don't get me wrong, Tom Hardy is a good actor. But, you know, taking a character like Venom and not having Spider-Man involved and pretty much putting Eddie Brock somewhere else, basically in another part of the country. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. Well, if we end up going seeing that, you know, maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that eventually down the line. And, of course, um... Of course, if you know, anime's coming up, and of course, I'm a big anime guy. I just finished watching My Hero Academia today, and uh, pretty much uh, looking right now, of course, everyone's talking about the Dragon Ball Super movie about Broly, because how he's going to be part of the canon. Of course, the movie comes out next year, next January. Of course, and supposedly they just confirmed that Goten Trunks will be involved in that movie itself, besides Frieza and Vegeta. So, pretty much, it's going to be canon to the series of Dragon Ball Super, which I haven't got to watching it yet, because... Don't get me wrong, even though I'm a big anime guy, um, I'm more accustomed to Dragon Ball dub-wise versus the sub. Um, because I grew up watching the dub version of Dragon Ball Z and all that stuff. So I got used to, I'm not, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not discrediting Goku's Japanese voice actress, but even though she's voiced the character for so many generations, 
Um, but like then I'm discrediting her, and I just got used to the whole um, Sean Shum doing the voice of Kogu. So like Chris Prasad doing Vegeta. So like I used to that. So currently we're into all the dub episodes of Super. Finally catch up to the sub versions. Uh, other than that, um, if you guys are big Star Trek nerds, apparently everyone's been talking about you know how. They're trying to do a Star Trek 4, and of course, Chris, when they're doing contract negotiation, apparently, um, Chris Hensworth and Chris Pine apparently um, didn't like the offer they're receiving from uh, Paramount. So it looks like their contract disputes um, went down, went down to twos. But now it's like the whole question is are they going to try a reattempt to talk to them again? Because, of course, they want bigger money. Because, of course, Chris Pine just coming off of doing Wonder Woman, and of course, Chris Hensworth, of course, is Thor. But right now, that's way to be seen. Other than that, um, of course, uh, now we're going to get to the nitty-gritty. So pretty much um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, pretty much it was, this is the 20th uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe film right now. Over the 10 years that Marvel's been around. Marvel Cinematic Universe has been around since 08. This is the 20th film. Wow, it's been 20 movies already. And the first Iron Man film came out, what, 10 years ago? So pretty much spending 10 years. Yeah. I was like 23 when Iron Man came out in 2008, and now look at me at 33 years old, and now we're talking about Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp. So let's get down to it. Um, pretty much uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, like I said, it's the 20th film. It's a sequel to the Ant-Man, which was came out about about three years ago. So pretty much, based on this film, pretty much they got everybody back for this film. Pretty much all the people that, you know, they got pretty much uh, Scott Lang's old game back together. You got Michael Payne back as Luis. You got everybody, like, T.I.'s back. Um, and the other dude, uh, David, oh man, I'm sorry, I'm going to mispronounce his name. David Trasmission back as one of the boys, too. Um, Judy Greer, Bobby Cannavale. You know, I was kind of disappointed that part. They didn't play it that much in this film. Because I guess they play a bigger part in the first film, so it was kind of yeah, Bobby Cannavale and Judy Greer. Because you know how she uh, played uh, Scott Lang's ex, so yeah. so they didn't get too much of a big, you know, because they had a little bit bigger role in the first movie. But because this movie was poor, poor, focusing more on you know Scott and you know Scott Lang, and of course you got Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly coming back as um, Hope, and of course uh, Michael Douglas coming back as of course Hank Pym. And the surprising casting of Michelle Pfeiffer, pretty much, you know, Batman, Catwoman from Batman Returns, um, taking on the role of Janet Van Dyne, also known as the original Wasp. And you got um, actress uh, Hannah John Kamen as the, as the character, as the female character version of Ghost, who's pretty much known as a villain in, in the Spider-Man universe. Um, and of course, you have uh, Lawrence Fishburne making his debut in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And of course... Um, you also had Walter Ga- Walton Goggins coming in, making an appearance in there. Um, like I said, uh, if you want to... I mean, this movie was not bad. We're going to let you know there are going to be spoilers for this movie. So we are going to spoil it for you guys. If you guys haven't seen the movie, definitely check it out in theaters. But like I said, this is a review. So we're going to pick out, you know, stuff that we like about the film. You know, certain scenes. We'll discuss about certain scenes. Um, and pretty much give you guys our opinions of what we liked about the film, what we didn't like the film, what a recommendation, if it's a good recommendation, of course we're going to recommend it, but, you know, stars-wise, well, how would we rate it, as opposed to the other films that we saw this summer. So I'm going to go off and throw it to the ball over to Biko. Go ahead. Uh, it's, for these anime movies, it's hard to pick a, a negative thing because it's just... It's supposed to be fun, and, and this one just kind of picks off with the first one left off with. It's just, 
it's the same type of feeling. So it's just, it's it's a fun movie to watch. Uh, plot's pretty simple. Uh, he, Scott actually kind of plays the back. See, he he's the main character, but he's not the main part of the plot. It's mainly them trying to get uh, Hank Pym just getting into contact with his wife. So they're just they kind of take Scott on just so they can use him to help them get into contact with his former wife. So that's the main plot, but uh, it carries on nicely because they don't overwhelm us with all these other side plots. And uh, yeah, we we do see a lot of the the new characters getting thrown in there into the mix uh, with the new protagonists and ghosts. And she is she does play a good uh, enemy throughout the movie and. Because she's kind of a nuisance into their plot, uh, since it's it's mainly just them just trying to fucking gather all these supplies so they can do that. So it's like the little it's they took classic little conflicts and they threw them in there. But so it's an easy to follow movie, but it's a fun one. And uh, Paul Rudd's great as freaking Ant Man as usual, and and he we we do see him use his little powers a little bit, uh, not as much as we're used to in the first one, uh, but he we we do see him get grow into big size into little size, and he does. I think it's just like he's good at being funny and being able to be an action hero at the same time, to where he can sell it easily. So it's like it's hard to find any spots in this movie where it's really bad or it doesn't make sense. Like sometimes, yeah, the dialogue's cheesy sometimes, but it's a Marvel movie. Uh, it's hard for me to even be too negative on this movie because you just watch it. And it's like, oh, it's funny and it's it's it's, it's a it's a fun movie to watch. I can't really think of anything bad. I mean, of course, uh, I forgot to mention uh, Randall Park. If you remember him. He was Asian Jim from The Office, and he's one of the stars from uh, from uh, Fresh Off the Boat. Um, he plays uh, pretty much Scott Lang's parole officer, I yeah. guess, because based on what this film takes place, um, it takes place way before Infinity War. It takes place some time after Captain America: Civil War, because of course uh, Scott Lang made a, plar- a plea bargain deal. With the government to be under house arrest, basically. So basically, he's on house arrest. He's pretty much excommunicated from any technology, so he can't communicate, you know, with with Hope or you know Hank. Pretty much gets to spend time with his daughter. And of course, uh, beginning of the film, you see, well, going back to the beginning, you see there's a little flashback of, of course, of a young Janet Van Dyne and a young Hank Pym. You know, you know, she's spending time with her daughter Hope. Of course, they have to go away on a mission. And of course, if you remember from the first Ant-Man film, it takes back to the first mission, you know, when Hank is trying, Hank and the Wasp or Mitchell Ant-Man and the Wasp are trying to stop that missile from going off. And pretty much, you know, she goes into a subatomic, you know, into the particle zone, which pretty much the quantum realm, which they call it. Um, and she never made it back. So um, it goes that. And of course, it flashes to, you know, later today, you know, you see Scott with the funny scene is, you know, He's um, do, pretending, doing a pretend high, um, pretend heist with his daughter, which is awesome because the cousin showed like Skyline, even though he was a hero, you know, he tries to be a good father, you know, even though he's, you know, divorced. And, um, and of course, you know, it was fun, you know, that little scene, you know, they're doing all that crazy shit. And of course, Luis pretty much, you know, they end up starting a security firm 
So it's called XCon. <laughs> Securities was kind of hilarious. Um, and of course, you know, you got Hope and Hank, you know, they're, they're getting, like my brother said, they're getting parts to build this machine to find a way to transport to the quantum realm. But of course, they need Scott because apparently he had, while well, he was in the quantum realm, they found a way to get back. Somehow developed a psychic connection to Janet Van Dyne. So pretty much they're using him as the catalyst to go ahead. But of course, it's kind of hard. And of course, um, they're pissed off at Scott because he ended up taking the suit. And they find out that he went to Germany. And, you know, he didn't bother that let Hank or um, Hope know. Um, but of course, um, as you know, Hope, you know, if you remember the end of Ant-Man, you know, um, Hank pretty much showed the, showed the prototype for the costume for the Wasp. And we finally got to see her in action. And honestly, she kicked butt. Which I kind of was awesome how they were able to fully utilize, you know, what the Wasp features were. Yeah, she was shrunk down. She spread her wings. She was able to shoot stinger-like um, lasers from her from her wrists. And, you know, and like I said, she kicked ass. Um, and, of course, too, the, well, the film, too, was trying to rekindle that spark between Hope and Scott. Pretty much rekindle that romance they had a little bit at the end of the first Ant-Man. Um... Like I said, Walt, Walton Goggins, don't get me wrong, he's a good actor, but I don't know, as, uh, I forgot what character he played. I believe, let me pull on the info here. Yes, I pulled a wiki page, so, um, so bear with me. Uh, he played. Sonny Birch. I'm I'm guessing Sonny Birch in the Marvel Sending Manic Universe. Apparently, what happened was, um, Hope had a meeting with him to find a certain part. But he becomes very curious about it, and of course, um, this leads to him pretty much, you know, like, pretty much, you know, turning the tables when it comes to the deal. Apparently, he was a minor character in the comics. Like, looks like he worked under, he was in, the, he made an appearance in Visual Iron Man number 73. He said he worked for cross Enterprises as the Undersecretary Acquisition for Technology Logistics. So pretty much, he was like a, a dealer, basically. He was a dealer, but of course in the movie they decided to make him like a black market dealer. Yeah, he's just like another, another annoyance. Just another bad guy. That's... Yeah, but I think the main focus too, like I, my brother said, the main focus was the whole Hope and Hank trying to pretty much, you know, build a machine, build the quantum realm, teleport. Of course you have ghosts who pretty much, which is kind of cool, but I mean, you know, it's a female version of a character who's basically a villain in the Spider-Man universe. Who is pretty much a mercenary, pretty much does any, you know, espionage and all that stuff. But here they made her, you know, her parents build this machine, used to work with the Pims, um, and apparently went his own separate way, and they used to work for S.H.I.E.L.D. They tried to build their own quantum, you know, machine, and pretty much it broke down. And of course, uh, Lawrence Fishburne makes an appearance in the movie as, let me see here, he plans a plane. Sorry about this, guys. He plays Bill Foster, who's basically who was an assistant on Pym, who was an assistant on Project Goliath, which basically you know a whole giant man thing. And it was kind of funny because they made that little joke in this one scene when they go meet uh, Bill Foster, they go to the university. Of course, you know Scott had to um, hate Pym had to wear a disguise to go meet him, and Scott they all go to the college. And of course, Bill Foster he's like a professor and made a joke about growing bigger. <laughs> They're trying to how many feet, and you know they're making last about who got how many feet because of course Ant Man was able to grow big thanks to you know if you've ever seen Captain America Civil War he was able to grow tall, yeah, being Giant Man for a while, 
And of course, um, it comes later on in the film that Bill Foster was the one to care for ghosts because he found her when he was a little kid. And pretty much she worked under S.H.I.E.L.D. And of course, um, she did stuff for S.H.I.E.L.D. And to the point that pretty much after the whole debacle with Hydra, you know, under the cover of S.H.I.E.L.D., she just let go and pretty much then, like, pretty much she found out that about a way for them to fix, she wanted to get her problem fixed because apparently she couldn't control her phasing thing. So she was able to base her powers. She's a ghost, so basically she can phase through anything by her manipulating her molecular structure of her body. But the problem is it's become stable to the point she's trying to steal technology from the pimps so they can, so he, so Bill Foster can find a way to cure her, or base her powers. And of course, yeah, of course, you know, like I said, um, it's kind of hard for Scott to, to try to do things when he's under house arrest because he's got the ankle bracelet. But of course, they make it comically funny how they got the ant wearing the ankle bracelet to make it look like uh, he's there and, you know, to find ways to sneak back and stuff. I think my favorite part, too, was when he and the Wasp had to go, they had him wear a different suit and apparently it wasn't working. He said they had to get the right one. It was kind of funny. I had to go to school. And of course, you know, Ant Man was having issues with his equipment. Of course, they go sneak into his daughter's school because apparently his daughter has show and tell, and I guess she took his trophy. And unknown to us, apparently the other Ant Man suit that he had from, you know, Captain America's War was in there. And of course, he gets stuck, like, pre shrunk or something. He was stuck, he looked like a little four year old kid. So he had to wear a hoodie to stay in disguise. So I found that kind of humorous. And of course, you know, the big chase scene when they're going down the. San Francisco, you know, streets, and of course with the Pez dispenser. The cars, the cars shrinking down. That was kind of cool how the game would come out with that effect, like a practical effect, like a cool effect. Of course, with the giant Hello Kitty Pez dispenser, I made that big. So, like I said, um, honestly, I didn't find anything wrong with this film. You know, it was a good change of tone, you know, after coming off Avengers Infinity War, which left everybody, you know, pretty much down. Because it showed, you know, coming off all these heroes, you know, being vulnerable, they basically lost. Coming to this film, it was like, it was more like a fresh, like a fresh breath of air, you know. It was like, you know, we needed something like Hardy, you know, to help us get over that grief. Um, you know, it was a good change of pace. And it, it was fun, you know. Michael Douglas, you know, he's a great actor, you know. He's, he's always, like, great in all his films. You know, eventually, Lily, you know, she pretty much took dances as the Wasp. You know, she did a really good job, you know, giving that character. You know, of course, like Paul Rudd, you know, this is a guy, who, you know, who, who's known doing comedy. You know, I accepted him when he became Ant-Man. I was surprised when he got picked, but he did a good job as um, Scott Lang, you know. He does not disappoint, you know. And like I said, you know, ghosts, you know, great, you know, antagonists in the beginning of, throughout the film, of course. Um, and Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, I haven't seen her for a long time, you know, having her come back, you yeah, know. For like the last chunk of the movie, she comes out and she was fine. Yeah, so it was cool how they came up with the quantum realm and, you know, the whole dimension was kind of interesting. And I kind of like for the fact that, you know, they aged up, like she aged, how they aged up, you know, She's basically around the same age as Hank, so that's kind of cool. They they kept her, you know, she aged while she was in the quantum realm and stuff, and you know, it was really cool. I did that, and like I said, uh, I I enjoyed the film. You know, I, what was your favorite scene? Uh, I don't know if I had a favorite scene. I just I don't know. 
overall the movie for me was good. Like I don't know, a, a favorite scene. Uh, maybe when he's just going further into the quantum realm and they go. So I guess like uh, just seeing all that, just uh, I don't know if I had a favorite scene. Movie goes by so fast, and I'm just like, uh, I don't know. I I think maybe the 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 last scene, the fighting, the which one is it? Whether what's her name? Because Michelle Pfeiffer comes back and they fight. Um, because it, when when they're chasing, what's his name? Uh, oh, and trying to get the building back. Yeah. Yeah, the shrunk down offices yeah. down the San Francisco Highway. The yeah, street. There you go. yeah. So the chase scenes were pretty fun because they had the cool cars and Luis is thrown in there a little more. He definitely got his little standout uh, role a little more involved in this movie. He's pretty know, hilarious. Close as the other guys were, but uh, um, yeah, they that was probably my favorite scene. The, the car chase scenes, and, and of course, you know, Luis with his comedy. Vibe, yeah, a little small. The like, true and just yeah, his little story esque. Yeah, the story <laughs> storytelling. It's just all the elements of that made the first one funny. They they throw into the second one, so that's why it was like very hard to hate this movie because like they just took all the good bits from the first one and just carried it over. And then gave us a plot that was, you know, easy to gravitate towards and easy to follow, but made sense. And it was definitely kept it fresh and uh, was a nice little uplifter and a nice little distraction from, even though it's, it's part of the main storyline, it, it was, it kind of was nice to, it kind of took us away from all the crap that was going on in the main storyline from the Avengers and whatnot. And it was nice. I, I gave this movie like a, like a 7 out of 10. Mm. Uh, 7 out of 10 Wow yeah. Um I would say like uh, I do want to Point you out There are going to be Some spoilers Because there was A couple There was a mid-credits scene Um Pretty much in the film I mean, I'm going to spoil you guys Of course everyone knows What happened with Thanos You know He snapped the Snapped the feeling Gauntlet And pretty much Half the universe wiped out Of course we cut to a scene Because like I said This movie took place Before like During the events You know A little while after You know We had the American Civil War Think like a year afterwards, so like a year before Infinity War, and pretty much you know, based on the mid credit scene, that pretty much transitioned during the time, and of course you know, you got you know Scott, Hope, and pretty much uh, the Pims are pretty much they're trying to go back to the quantum realm again to gather some particles, to get some particles to help you know stabilize Ghost again. Of course, you see Scott. He shrinks down to the quantum realm to because he's able to sh- come back to. But what sucks is now they find a way to shrink him down to get into the quantum realm to transport him. Of course, you know what happens. You know he goes there to gather the particles. He says he gets. He's like, oh, I got them all, and pretty much, you know, he tries to call back, say, I'm ready to come back now. And of course, you just see everyone is basically they're all gone. Everyone's gone. I think the only thing, like, I would give this film, like, pretty much a 9 out of 10 because, don't get me wrong, like, the after the la- after the end credits, like, way, way after the end credits, we thought, you know, it would be, well, I like what they said, Ant-Man will return, question mark, was kind of like a teasing because he's basically stuck in the quantum realm. But I think the only thing that kind of know me was at the end, you know, you see everyone in the buildings, mostly everyone's gone. Then you hear drumming, and then it's the flipping giant ant. 
who was standing in for Scott. He's playing the fucking drums. I know it was hilarious, but I felt that it didn't make any sense. Like, honestly, it's like, I understand you want to do one less joke because everyone's going to be waiting until Captain Warner, but honestly, that's something I felt that wasn't really necessary, but I could see why they just had to saw what happened to Hope, Janet, and Hank. They wanted to do, like, a lively, you know, thing afterwards. I would say that's the only thing I didn't like. And other than that, Walter Goggins, I'm sorry, you know, yeah, they put him there. He was there as a side character, honestly. He was more like a comedic fool feel. That's basically what he was, a foil, comedic foil. Yeah, he's like this black market dealer, yeah, and he all of a sudden he hears about the quantum thing and the technology and now he wants to take everything. Yeah. Now he wants to take the lab. Yeah, it was like okay, he, he's not like you're working for a big corporation, you know, so he was just like like a black market dealer. You know, it looked to me, like I said, yeah, I understand they needed to add somebody else, but honestly, they should have just talked to Ghost and Bill Foster. Honestly, that, like I said, just because, you know, Hope and Hank needed that part from him, that was the only reason why he was there. But not discrediting the, you know, Walton Goggins and the other two who played his henchmen. I'm not discrediting them at all. I just felt that Sonny Birch didn't get enough development. Not enough character development for him to be, you know... Yeah, he had connections in the FBI on his staff. You know, it was kind of funny, you know, Randall Park being hilarious. It's like, you know, like I said, Scott Lake's pro officer was kind of hilarious. So he kind of made fit because, of course, Scott was under house arrest by the government. So, of course, he had to play a role in that one. But he was kind of hilarious, too. But, like I said, you know, Sonny Birch, I just wish he had, like, they had more development with him. But kind of like with Ghost, you know, they did a little, you know, throwback and give her a, like, a good backstory. And like I said, it was good seeing Lawrence Fishburne in a Marvel movie, though. At least playing a role. So, like I said, that's why I give the film like a 9 out of 10. You know, music was great. You know, the scenes were well choreographed. The visual effects were phenomenal. It was just a, uh, it was just lack of character development. I would say that's the big flaw. And, of course, that weird scene after the credits. That was the only two things I found wrong with the film. Other than that, it's a great film. You know, it's a good family film. You can take the kids, you know. Take advantage while they're still at home before they go back to school <laughs> later this month. Um, like I said, uh, like I said, it's a good film. It's currently playing right now in theaters and IMAX. And of course, it's been announced that starting, I don't know, they said later on this year or sometime this year, they're going to do, uh, in celebration of Marvel's 10th anniversary, they're going to release all 20 films in IMAX for a week. I don't know if people are going to go through that, but like I said, 20 films. It's freaking crazy. And then of course, um, if you're a big Netflix user, just to let you guys know, of course, Disney is developing their their streaming service. Um, as you know, they announced that Ant-Man the Lost will be the last Marvel Cinematic Universe film to be released on Netflix. So basically, pretty much starting with Captain Marvel and any all future films, they're all going to be streaming on their Disney service. So which apparently they announced will be coming out mid-next year. They haven't gave a price point yet, but they said they're compared to Hulu. And there's a possibility, you know, with them owning part of Hulu, that there's a possibility you can add that they can bundle that with Hulu. They haven't said anything yet, but so far that's what I found out. And uh, based on the news that I'm given or pretty much researching that, pretty much that's what's going to happen. So pretty much Ant-Man and Wasp will be the last Marvel Cinematic film that will be available to stream on Netflix. So, pretty much, like I said, you know, Disney's contract with Netflix is expiring next year. 
so then preparation for the Disney streaming service. Um, other than that, of course, you know, DC's coming out with their own service, DC Universe, and it's a streaming service where you can, like, get digital comics and pretty much, you know, stream DC original shows. Of course, Titans, you know, they released the first show during Comic-Con. And, of course, a lot of people are trash-talking, you know, the character casting, which, like I said, this is a live-action interpretation. Of course, you got the purest pretty much backlash. And, of course, um, if the actress Ruby Rose just got... Um, she got cast as Batwoman for the Arrowverse, for the CW. And, of course, she's facing backlash. And, of course, you know, like I said, I'm not familiar with Batwoman, but, like I said, um, it's interesting that it's kind of cool to come up with a different character, you know, not focusing just on Batman. So, of course, Gotham is going to their final season, which is coming out next year. And, of course, they're actually going to, you know, take more part from Batman Year One. So they actually we get the pies. We're finally going to see Batman down down the cowl by season's end. They're, they're claiming in the last few episodes of the next season. So we'll see finally, you know, beginning of Batman. And of course, uh, people are wondering. Of course, with Disney and Fox, you know, finally, well, agreeing to that deal. We're still waiting for FCC regulations, but apparently, people are big question is what's going to happen to all the X Men movies that are planned because you got X Men Dark Phoenix. And, of course, you got uh, New Mutants and, of course, the next X-Force movie. And, apparently, according to this, Disney says pretty much um, those films will still be released. Because, apparently, according to the deal, it says the studios, um, there's a deal with like movie officially closer to the middle of next year. Once the deal is closed, Disney will then be able to start developing film with Fox Properties. Says with Marvel Studios' current turnaround time of three years between many of their sequels, we probably won't see the X Men film being developed by Disney to hit theaters till the year 2022. So we we'll probably won't see any mention of the Fantastic Four or the X Men pie not till a few years later on, depending how they're going to introduce them into the universe. Even though it's been teased, you know, with Spider Man Homecoming, if you've ever seen Spider Man Homecoming, how the Avengers Tower was being cleaned out, that someone bought the building, people were thinking, oh, maybe the Fantastic Four bought the building. But, of course, they didn't want to say it. But we'll see what happens. Like I said, there's two movies that are coming out soon. Like, I believe Dark Phoenix, supposedly, is at the release date of February 14th of the next year. Of course, New Mutants is another one. Of course, X-Force. The way on X-Force. Of course, Deadpool 2 is coming out the 21st. Can't wait. Super duper fucking cut. So, I just got that pre-ordered. So, I can't wait for that. Of course, big Deadpool fan. Of course, um, people were asking, what about Part 3? So I mean, because of course you got X Force being developed. Um, Drew Goddard is going to be directing X Force, so we can't wait to see how that's going to be. Um, he's going to be directing it, um, and of course, um, video game new film news also. Um, of course, uh, if anyone knows about the Sonic film, you got Jason Marsden being cast as the cop and another actress being cast. Of course, uh, two actors have been announced for joining the Sonic cast. Um, pretty much. Um, John Raphael, the guy who plays portrays John Raphael, is going to be the voice of Sonic. That is going to be real interesting because he's currently the voice of Dewey Duck from DuckTales reboot. So it's kind of fresh take on Sonic. We'll see how he sounds, but apparently he embraced he's embracing the role that he's doing a lot of research. He used to play the game as a kid, but he's like doing his research and stuff. And of course, um, Adam Pauly and uh, Neil McDonough are going to be in the movie as well too. Of course, Neil McDonough, of course. Uh, he portrayed Dundum. He portrayed Dundum Dugan in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the Captain America um, First Adventure, and of course, uh, he was Damian Dark in the Arrowverse. 
So they're both cast for live action roles. And of course, Jim Carrey is playing Eggman. So apparently, he apparently the way it's that Jim Carrey, I guess he had an interview. They asked him if, he, if Eggman was going to be CGI, but no, I guess it's going to be a real, you know, person. He's, like, Jim Carrey's actually going to portray the character, not, like, wearing mocap or anything like that. So we'll have to wait and see how that Sonic film comes out. Of course, you know, video game films, they got a really poor tra- track record. I mean, honestly, the only successful video game-inspired film will have to be Wreck-It Ralph. Honestly, that was, like, the most successful one I know in recent memory. Of course, um... Rebecca Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the, um, Breaks the Internet, comes out later this year. Can't wait for that also. So, do you have anything else to add? Not that I know. Well, that's it for you guys. Of course, this is a, like I said, this was a review episode. Hope you guys enjoy a review of Am and Wasp. Um, like I said, we both do recommend it. Like I said, it's a great film. You know, what a way to end the Marvel Cinematic Universe for right now. Of course, we got Captain Marvel coming out. Next year, so can't wait. I'm looking forward to that. So we'll start with Captain Marvel, of course. Avengers, um, for horror. Because right now there's still no working title yet. It's still technically Avengers 4. Of course, Spider-Man's being planned. Of course, oh, one thing too, um, of course, um, people are like the whole thing with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's hanging in the air because apparently it is scheduled for a 2020 release. Of course, the whole, you know, James Gunn getting fired from the film due to, you know, the tweets from 10 years ago, even though he already apologized already. Um, Marvel is pretty much, apparently there have been talks, as according to these sources, there have been talks to, you know, trying to convince Disney to rehire the gun to direct the film. Because Gunn already wrote the first draft, and of course, one of the stars, you know, Dave Bautista, is thinking of wanting to get his contract broken. Unless he feels that if Disney does not pretty much, you know, they don't go with gun script that he wants to, you know, be recast. That he's willing to break his contract in support of gun. Of James Gunn, you know. Like I said, it's this day and age now, you pretty much can't, you know, you gotta be careful what you say, but at the same time, you know, it's it's hard, you know. Sometimes, you know, you work people the wrong way, but it's we're coming to the age. So like I said, Ant Man and the Wasp, definitely go to theaters, definitely check it out. And the course today me and my bro was watching clerks. <laughs> That was a great film. We just finished watching it right now before we started recording, so we're like, oh, let's watch Clerks. So we started watching Clerks, enjoyed that film too. So, like I said, Ant-Man Wasp, in theaters, IMAX, you know, find a way to watch it, definitely recommend. So that's all I got for you guys. Um, don't forget to watch, the, let's subscribe to this uh, podcast, you know, we're on Podbean. Pretty much Podbean is the YouTube podcast. Um, you can listen to our backlog of episodes. Also, I do have a YouTube blog, which is The Franchise Talks. You can find it on YouTube at youtube.com slash The Franchise Network, which I have a backlog of my blog, which pretty much I discuss about what I do in my life. And, you know, I do, I did have some gaming streaming. I did do some reviews online before I come up with the podcast. Of course, you can visit my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash The Franchise Network, where you can post questions or topic ideas you want me and Biko to discuss on a future episode of the podcast. Like I said, this podcast is not sponsored by anybody. As always, we are an independently run podcast. But like I said, if you guys have any questions or ideas that you want me and Biko to discuss, any topics in the world of pop culture that pretty much piques your interest that you want to hear our opinions, please, you can go ahead and post on our, my Facebook page or go ahead and make any comments on the podcast itself. I also have Twitter. My Twitter handle, Twitter handle is at the franchise 85 You can tweet me using the hashtag TalkPop with your question or topic. As always, I'm the franchise.
Geek on. As always, geek on and take care.